0: what's up energy fam this is justin and welcome back to another episode of wicked energy with jg my goal with each episode is to deconstruct the minds of today's energy thought leaders to uncover their framework and tools used in their journeys of providing energy to the world so sit back relax and remember that everything you see around you requires some form of energy This episode of our podcast is sponsored by 10X Technologies. Pushing the boundaries of science, 10X is innovating the future of the oil and gas industry with their proprietary materials based technology solutions. With cutting edge products like NanoClear, custom designed nanofluids engineered to maximize production of new completions and rejuvenate existing wells, 10X is driving a revolution in oil extraction. Meet Microhold, a specially engineered microparticle slurry that optimizes frack efficiency. Props microfracks and triggers far field diversion. Every well, every time, sees the benefits. And if you're worried about frack hits, 10x has you covered with no hit, an innovative technology that mitigates frack hits via in-situ pressurization reaction. It's protection where you need it most. Then there's Sandbond, a sand consolidation chemical solution that's just another example of 10x's commitment to practical field-ready solutions. And let's not forget about Ciraflow greener, cost-effective proprietary blends designed to banish paraffin issues once and for all. That's 10x, where innovation meets application in the oil and gas industry. Find out more about their groundbreaking solutions at 10xtechnologies.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. Uh, It's kind of a little bit of a different episode this week. Uh, I I don't have a guest. The guest is me, myself, and I. Uh, but I wanted to make uh, that announcement. I'm super pumped to have 10X10 Technologies uh, as part of the, uh, the team here at Wicked Energy. They're up to some fascinating stuff, as you can uh, tell. Uh, but I thought it'd be cool to kind of run through a sort of a, an industry outlook, sort of market update. Uh, for those of you who follow me on LinkedIn, you'll notice on Mondays I post some market update stuff on rig count, frack spreads, and all the rest of it. But I wanted to dive a little deeper. Um, I put together some information and thought it'd be cool to share uh, which you know, first and foremost, the M and A activity this year has been gangbusters. Uh, I think the total deal value is around 25 billion. Um, most notably, uh, the Civitas Taprock Hibernia deal, which is pretty exciting, that was valued at about 4.7. Uh, yeah, I think that you know, like I was mentioning at the beginning of the year on a lot of podcasts I had, and even just on LinkedIn, talking about companies they'd paid down a bunch of debt last year they're sitting on a ton of free cash flow and when you think of where to put your money as a company it's like you can either buy back shares you can um, increase your dividends uh, you can pay down debt all of which were done last year at a pretty good rate and so now it's like where do we put our money well when you look at tier one and tier two inventory uh, mainly tier one operators essentially are drawing down a bunch of their good inventory and drilling that up and so it's like in order to increase inventory and increase production, uh, or at least maintain production and extend the runway, you need to start consolidating, which is what we're seeing right now, which is pretty cool. Uh, on the oilfield service side, you're starting to see it too a little bit. Um, so again, this is all it's exciting stuff. Uh, just depending on where we get towards the end of the year, um, I think there's going to be some more deals happening. On the rig activity front, again, um, this is this data was dated back on six sixteen. Uh, which now it's basically, yeah, two weeks later. But nonetheless, we're sitting around that, you know, mid 600 range oil rigs around that 550 mark gas around 130 for an 80-20 split from with oil and gas. So, you know, still heavy on the oil side, which makes sense. Uh, But both oil and gas rigs are dropping down. December 2022, we saw, I think, 784 rigs at the high point. So we're well under that, Um, over 100 rigs. Uh, less than where we were at the peak of 2022. And so, where's the, where's the floor, right? Um, who knows? When you look at private operators uh, and then comparing them to the active, uh, sorry, private operators and uh, public operators, you know, there used to be a pretty good amount of private operators that were drilling relative to the, the publics. Now, private operators account for 46% of active rigs versus 57% of a year ago. So what you're seeing is a lot of these privates are a lot more exposed to oil and gas prices, and so they're likely dropping rigs before a lot of the majors and the big publics. Uh, when you look at publics, the not, June 9th was 54%, last month was 52%, and then last year was 43%. On the privates, was 46 on the 9th of June. Uh, last year was 57% like I just mentioned. So you're really starting to see a shift uh, in the ratio between publics and privates. Uh, when you look at oil rigs and WTI prices, WTI wants to stay around that 70 mark. You're starting to see, um, a- again, you're, you're really starting to see the, the effect of those lower oil prices impact rig count. Uh, a lot of the inflationary costs on the service side are still high. Uh, so, you know, operators... Although casing prices and other service prices have come down, uh, it's with with the way oil and gas prices are, uh, those profits are just not there. So it makes makes sense for them to scale back. When you look at recount by basin, the Permian 342, the Haynesville 51, Eagleford 60, Williston 36, Marcellus 35, the Woodford 23. DJ's 14, Utica's 13, and then others is around 113 rigs. Each of those have come down pretty considerably. Obviously the ones who are exposed to gas have come down at a greater rate, which is which makes sense. If you look at the frack activity, total frack spread counts around that 270 mark. Um, US production was at 12.4 last week. Now it's back down, uh, I think, to 12.2. Uh, you know, when it, when you look at production, how in the world are we going to maintain production when rig count's dropping, duck count's dropping, which I'll talk about next, um, you know, and frack spread count is, it's it's not near that 300 mark like it was. Like, it's, we're getting close, but, uh, you know, to maintain that production and then uh, you're going to need to drill more, you're going to have to frack more to offset natural declines and then try and increase productions, That that's a lofty ask. So, again, this to me just point, as long as demand remains fairly high globally, which you're starting to see some stuff come out now uh, about increasing demand um, throughout the remainder of the year, especially through this year's driving season and then going into next year. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and again, a lot of it's gonna depend on interest rates and where GDP goes because GDP and energy consumption are quite correlated. Um, Then, that's, uh, again, another pretty good case for, for oil prices to go on the uh, the upper end there. When you look at, one thing that's kind of always interesting to look at is rig uh, to frack spread ratio. So for every, it's basically 2.7, and it's maintained that for a long time. Uh, at the beginning of the year, that was quite a bit less, but now you're seeing, for every sprax, frack spread, you're seeing about two and a half to three rigs which is typical when you think about it. When you look talking to an operator, an operator uh, that has two to three rigs typically can, can maintain a frack spread uh, busy, or they can keep a frack spread busy just following them around because it takes a lot longer to drill a well than it does to frack a well in most cases. Now, I'm sure there's people out there that would argue it, um, but generally speaking, that's the case. Looking at duck count, we're at 4,800 roughly you're starting to see the Haynesville stack up their ducks, obvious for obvious reasons when gas prices are low, uh, you're going to drill it and you're going to cap it and wait for gas prices to go to increase that way you can capitalize on the upside. Uh, but you might as well keep gas in the ground if you can't sell it for for a price that makes business sense. The Permian, they're still drawing down their ducks, uh, which is, again, another case for stronger oil prices and lower production, especially as we go through the remainder of the year. How can you maintain or increase production when you're drawing down ducks? Ultimately, that's finite. There's 880 ducks in the Permian uh, month to month. They're drawing down around that 30 mark. Um, so it's it's yeah it's as if they keep drawing it down, you, there's no oil sitting there ready to be pumped. You're gonna have to drill wells and frack them to get production going. And then on top of that, you know, account for those natural decline rates. So. Um, the Bakken's drawing them down, Eagleford's drawing down, Appalachia's drawing down, which is interesting because obviously they're gas-focused. But uh, either way, you're you're starting to see the Hainesville. You're starting to see, you've been seeing it quite a bit, laying rigs down and adding to their duck count. So uh, that is an interesting story. On the production side, uh, we've got oil production at 93 uh million barrels per day that is pretty much in an all-time high uh we've we haven't reached uh u.s regional production like that in a long time actually since ever december of 2019 we're at 9.2 and now we're at that 9.3 9.4 again i just can't see it growing uh with with their direction of recount duck count and especially frack spreads too it's just like where's where's this production going to come from uh, I keep hearing about the Gulf of Mexico. For those out there who follow the offshore markets, I keep seeing, and this comes from Twitter, so don't hold my feet to the fire. But it sounds like offshore starting to gain some traction. Um, more to come on that. Hopefully, I can maybe get someone who uh, who understands offshore markets a little better to see where the money's flowing. Right, that's where it starts is rig contracts. And I have been hearing a lot of rig con- like offshore rig contracts. Uh, are starting to be put in place and when you looked at, I think yesterday night I was looking at Seeking Alpha, they had a lot of the like the Transocean and a lot of the big offshore drilling contractors stock prices went up because I think they're starting to gain some traction on on some contract negotiations. So that's exciting, that could really help uh, increase like U.S. oil production. uh, When U.S. shale production may be lagging, hopefully we can make up some of that uh, on the offshore front. When you look at gas, we're at close to 100 BCF per day uh, between natural gas, uh, marketed natural gas, and then LNG. Uh, it's exciting times for us on the LNG front. We've got a lot of capacity coming online over the next four years. Uh, Mexico, they're starting to pull quite a bit of gas out of the Permian, which is nice because it's kind of like guilty by association. The Permian produces so much oil, but with all, with all that oil comes a lot of gas too. So. Where you got to find somewhere to put that gas. And Mexico is a nice spot. It's right there. Uh, we just need takeaway capacity uh, to be able to get it there. And I think Mexico is actually also getting heavy into the LNG game. Uh, I think they've recently finished a terminal uh, or a construction of a terminal. So they're going to start to hopefully get an LNG to the markets, which will help uh, because they're not drilling as much clearly as we are. I don't know what, how much reserves they sit on for gas, but... If we can offload a lot of that Permian gas into Mexico and then focus on the Haynesville and the Marcellus to get uh, to meet our export obligations, then we're gonna be sitting pretty for quite a while. What's currently affecting oil prices? Uh, last week, I mean, you look at inventories, that's being drawn down. The Federal Reserve, they paused, which kind of gives, you, know, you just don't know which direction you're gonna go. If they're gonna start reducing interest rates, which is highly unlikely. that's bullish for oil, but if they start tightening, then that's also going to put a little bit of bear sentiment into the market for oil prices. China's monetary policy, they've adopted a policy to stimulate their economy that hasn't really moved markets. Um, But then when you look at OPEC and OPEC plus, they've really are setting a tone for higher oil prices and market tightness. Um, They've obviously talked about more tightening or more production pullbacks. And so Again, I don't think they've necessarily controlled prices or like manipulated prices or whatever you want to call it, but I think they've helped set a floor by putting out those announcements. So hopefully we don't see anything go below 70. I know they'd rather 80 to 90, I think is what it is. So either way, um, there's a lot of people who depend on, on higher oil prices that are making efforts to keep those prices where they're at. Um, you know, low, like trying to scale back production to keep prices propped up, it's not a bad thing. Um, I would imagine they want value over volume, so to make profits over pumping as much oil to the market as possible, uh, I don't think anyone can do that. I don't think anyone's going to come and flood the market with cheap oil. Russia's trying, but uh, they also need higher oil prices to to keep their economy propped up. So interesting interesting on the geopolitical front. When you look at the EIA and their short-term energy outlook, um, they're bullish on oil. They think WTI is going to be uh, around that 80 mark before the, uh, towards the end of next year, which slow and steady increase from here. When you look at uh, global supply and demand, we are right now oversupplied. But as, the, as we get closer to the end of the year, uh, they forecast the market getting tighter and then being balanced basically for the remainder of 2024. I tend to think that we're going to be a little undersupplied, but that really depends on demand. Crude oil production out of the U.S., they're projecting you know, a steady increase, mainly coming from the lower 48. Again, if the Gulf of Mexico uh, turns up a little bit, we might get a little bit of um, expansion or production increase coming out there, but that'll be to be determined. Uh, anyway, I mean, again, the EIA thinks that we're going to continuously increase oil production, not by drastic amounts, but the trend certainly goes upward. I just don't know where... That production growth is going to come from, unless we start adding rigs, now um, at a pretty good rate. Uh, obviously, next year's election is going to have a big impact on that. Uh, let's see what else inventories. Yeah, that's again the SPR story is always interesting. That just continuously gets drawn down. Uh, you know, and this is something I'll be honest. I don't know when they draw those inventories down. I don't think that gets added to U.S. oil production. I mean, that's probably a dumb comment to say, but anyway, uh, they're continuously drawing down. I would imagine a lot of that's being used for export, but I'm no professional or expert in that arena. Uh, I don't claim to be an expert in any arena. I just read as much as I possibly can and draw my own conclusions and share the information that I find. But nonetheless, when you look at the SPR, it continuously draws down. Uh, Inventories are building, though, so places like Cushing, uh, they are continuously adding to their inventories. But actually, when you need to look at, there was a good little spike there at the beginning of the year. Then they ended up the inventories draw drew down pretty heavily, and now it's kind of staying around that uh 400 and 460 barrels ish. Um, but yeah, that 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 trend is not continuously decreasing. The only one that really is, uh, now is the SPR. And who knows what the administration wants to do? They said they were going to buy. Uh, and start refilling it, but that just continues to be a a witch hunt, I feel like. Uh, When you look at prices and production on the Brent side, which obviously Brent, um, you know, oil prices in general, uh, the EIA is now forecasting less global production in 2024. Again, you've got OPEC plus and Saudi's production cuts, the extension of cuts through 2024, and Saudi's voluntary cut of 1 million barrels per day in July 2023 are really you know projected to impact global oil production so we'll see uh non-oPEC production increase so despite uh opec Plus's cuts non-oPEC producers mainly u.s norway brazil and guyana likely are going to drive global liquid flio production growth in 2023 and 2024 uh higher oil prices and inventory decrease the OPEC plus cuts, they're probably gonna trigger higher oil prices like we've mentioned, especially in 2024 as the global inventories are expected to continue to decline. Uh, and then really just the rise in global liquid fuels consumption, um, despite all this economic uncertainty, consumption is still predicted to grow at a pretty notable rate for 23 and 24, led mainly by non-OECD Asia. When we look at gasoline and distillate, uh, the gasoline, Inventory sitting around that five-year average, and then when you look at uh, the total distillate fuel inventory, we are below the five-year average, which is puts upward pressure on prices. So, which is interesting, because I heard yesterday diesel was lower than gasoline somewhere here in Texas, but the reality is is we don't have as much distillate uh, fuel in inventory as we do relative to a five-year average. When we look at Henry Hub, the old Natty Gas, uh, let's see, the uh, short-term energy outlook forecast is for gas prices to continuously to rise towards the end of the year, fall down a little bit towards spring, and then for the rest of the year in 2024, it's gonna continuously increase. When we look at gas and storage, we're on the high end of the five-year average, which is putting a lid on natural gas prices, obviously. Uh, when we look at gas trade, again, the LNG play here in the US is looking strong. Uh, We're projected to be exporting around 15 BCF per day uh, at the end of 2024. We've got a lot of export capacity coming online over the next few years, which is super exciting. Like we've mentioned, um, I encourage anyone whose business is uh, exposed to the gas side of things, really look at LNG. There's a lot of good, you know, again, free public information out there on what the LNG markets are doing. Um, And then we've got those big Gulf Coast terminals coming online. that I think have been approved, and so you're going to start. You know, again, we're going to need to be exporting a considerable amount. So when you look at, call it 15, 14 and a half BCF per day, when we're producing 100, that's roughly 15 percent of our production, uh, that, and that's only going to increase, especially as natural demand continues to increase over time. Uh, when you look in uh, in the U.S. here, the the EIA is forecasting roughly to get to that 110. Uh, actually like one twelve um, average for the year. and then next year, you know close to that 12 and 112, 113 BCF per day, which that's quite a bit. And then when you take off uh, the ec- what we have to export and then with the increase of natural gas um, natural gas usage for electricity uh, generation here in the US, uh, again, hopefully we get prices up a little bit. And inflation's back to four percent double what it uh, what it needs to be so uh when you look at the trend you know back in summer of 2022 we were at that nine eight and a half nine mark and it's continuously gone down uh again i am no uh expert when it comes to fucking inflation and when it comes to government policy i read i gather information i share it but when you look at the trend inflation's come down Uh, at what cost well we talk about the banking sector obviously that's put a big dent in that Um, I've had some, I've had some guests that have talked about it, which has been really interesting, but when we look at inflation, if we can get that under control, uh, what that's ultimately going to do is if the feds pivot and go back to cutting interest rates, once they get this thing under control, all that's going to do is drive oil demand. And that's the way I look at things is everything that I look at, how does that impact oil? prices and how does that impact rig count because that's i live and die by rig count and so i think rig count for the rest of the year is going to remain somewhat flat if not continuously decrease and then as soon as inflation drops off uh, china continues to increase their manufacturing and increasing their demand travel continues to increase Uh, i think we could easily see oil demand rise at a pretty good rate um especially if if the cost of capital is fairly low that's going to help oil and gas producers that's gonna help everyone just uh, spend more and more and more, uh, which arguably is sometimes a problem. But the reality is, is that's just gonna be a, a pretty strong case for, for elevated oil prices and elevated activity, especially here in the lower 48. And that's all I got. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed listening to this. I know it was a totally different episode. I've got a couple guests on the pipeline. Um, I was gonna issue a, an episode with a gentleman From last week that i interviewed but i thought it'd be cool to give a market update so if you liked it let me know i don't mind doing these once a month i do them anyways for uh, some other business uh, that i do mainly through work but uh i love this kind of stuff i love researching and sharing information so if you liked it let me know if not tune in next week for uh, another episode where i interview a fabulous guest that's all i got for now and always remember everyone deserves access to energy and we is greater than me thanks peace Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but have you ever thought about what a podcast could do for your B2B business? Well, you might be surprised by the benefits it could offer. Firstly, podcasts provide an amazing opportunity to establish your brand as an industry thought leader. By sharing your insights, experiences, and expert opinions, you position yourself as an authority, gaining the trust and the respect of your audience. Secondly, hosting a podcast is a fantastic way to engage your customers on a deeper level. It's not just about promoting your products and services, it's about providing value through engaging content, fostering strong relationships, and loyalty among your listeners. Oh, and did I mention networking? Yes, that's a huge part. Podcasts are an incredible networking tool. When you interview guests from your industry, you're not only creating valuable content, but you're also building relationships that can lead to future partnerships and collaborations. But we know starting a podcast can feel daunting, I've had several people reach out to me lately asking how to create a podcast and that's where I'm going to try and come in and help. I'm here to help you navigate the podcast world reach out to me for a 15-minute call where we can discuss your podcasting ambitions. Whether you're starting from scratch or simply looking to improve your existing show, I'm here to help. And guess what? I have a playbook too, a step-by-step guide to launching a successful podcast, and I can't wait to share it with you. This playbook has everything from topic brainstorming to technical setup to effective promotion strategies, all the essentials for a thriving podcast. So why wait? Get in touch today and let's embark on this podcasting journey together. After all, your voice deserves to be heard. Thanks thanks again for listening to another episode of wicked energy with jg and look if you or your organization wants to start a podcast please visit my website and sign up for a free guide on how to start a successful podcast once you get through it let me know if you have any questions or getting started thanks and we'll see you next week peace